is Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Every summer, the hottest college players in the country come here to play ball. I'm real good with ball players. <laughs> it's their chance to be discovered and make it to the big leagues. Don't turn around and take your time around the corners. <laughs> As for me, I'm about to get my shot. I grew up here, and there's nothing that's gonna stop me from getting out. So you mow her lawn. Let me introduce you to a good friend of mine. This is Ryan Dune. Done. Done. You're a ball player, and you wear women's underwear. Kid who cuts the grass? What else should I know about you? <laughs> You've stepped over a boundary here, son. Setting yourself up for a big fall. He's gonna end up back here cutting grass with his old man. Guaranteed. You want big rewards? You gotta take big risks. You are out of there! You have beautiful eyes. Is that a line? Yeah. What are you doing? I love her. Oh, but let's get two more out, okay? I need it to be known that I like a big girl. A large, voluptuous, full-figured, big-boned, massive honey. Anybody got a problem with that? Dad, this is uh, Billy Brubaker, our catcher. Nice thong. Thanks. Hello and welcome to Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even into the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. Uh, this week, we are going to be finishing out our series of doubleheaders, uh, Mike Blanchard is taking over this episode in a bit. Uh, he's going to be discussing some some of the, I would say probably some of the better baseball movies. It, it's not in my, I, I wouldn't put it up there in my like top twenty five. Well, the, these would fit that's in my top twenty five. That's because they're not your. That's because they're not your team. Well, no, no, no. Let me let me rephrase that. They, I would put them in my top twenty five baseball movies of all time, but they're not like. They're not top five. right, right. I mean, mm-hmm. I've got others that are higher than the top five. So, you know, <laughs> and that's just because of what they are like, you know, the natural. Come on, you know. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so nice song. <laughs> yes. Go ahead, Mike. Tell us what movies are we going to be discussing this week? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't already know, this is an explicit show. So just. Don't listen in front of your children. <laughs> oh, we, yes, we're going to be covering. Hey, uh, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, Ryan, I want my underwears back. I, I, I can't. I'm still wearing them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I've mentioned in the last couple of episodes that I am originally from Boston, Massachusetts. I actually grew up in Kingston, Massachusetts, which is about an hour south of Boston on the south shore of the state of the great commonwealth of Massachusetts. And, um, 
you know, growing up in Massachusetts, I'm sure, like, this is with any other city and team, but, like, you know, <laughs> as, uh, as, as Ben Reitman puts it, you know, there's Red Sox, sex, and breathing. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's really, honestly, yeah. seriously, that's, that's how New Englanders and Bostonians, that, that's how we think. There's the Red Sox, sex, and breathing. That, that's just what it is. Um, so today, to wrap out the <laughs> double headers here, uh, celebrating the fall classic uh, uh, is 2001's Summer Catch and 2005's Fever Pitch. Um, <laughs> I didn't even have to watch these. I did watch them, but I didn't have to watch them because, I mean, I mean, if I can pull, uh, oh God, I'm glad I didn't. If I can pull the quote I pulled out earlier, you know, without even thinking about it, then obviously I've seen these way too many times. Yeah, uh, you know, um, I, I'm gonna say that I until you had mentioned these movies. <laughs> okay, I, I had never seen them. It, it's not, well, I shouldn't say that because I have seen bits and pieces of Summer Catch. when They had mm -hmm. it on HBO or Showtime, one of the movie channels, uh, mm -hmm. a couple of years back, and my dad was watching it, and I kind of walked in and go, oh, what are you watching, Dad? And he goes, uh, hell, I don't know. And, and I see Matthew Lillard on it, mm -hmm. and I was just kind of like, oh, okay. And I, I watched for about five minutes and went, well, this looks kind of stupid, and again, it was the context I was taking then, mm -hmm. and I kind of went, okay, I'm moving on, you know, I, I think I was ending up going off to work or something like that, so I was like, mm, big deal, you know? <laughs> uh, Summer Catch, I really liked it, you know, when we get to uh, Fever Pitch, my wife and I <laughs> both loved that movie, I mean, it was it was a oh, lot okay. better than I thought, so I was like, <laughs> you know... Uh, but because yeah, these are the two movies that if you have uh, you know uh, you know construct constructive criticisms aside, anybody that's in a conversation with me that talks bad about these movies, I'm gonna fly to your house and I'm gonna beat your ass like Jay and Silent Bob <laughs> did in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> no, we liked them. It was just it was yeah. uh, you know we were pleasantly surprised. Summer Catch I didn't like as much as Fever Pitch. Mm -hmm. That said, I still liked it. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, if only there was an unrated version of Summer Catch, especially with Mrs. Griswold. Uh, <laughs> I just Mrs. Griswold and Fez. I can't. Yes. I, just can't, I just can't get over that. But okay, so starting in two thousand one, Summer Catch. Um, really, what it wasn't even the fact that it was the star, like Freddie Prince Jr. Whatever you know, yeah. he's an all right actor. He's a decent actor. Um, what, what is so ironic about this film? Because I think this came out before that other um, that other film that he did. Um, I think this came out a year before that one. But anyway, um, it's one of those things where, like, the only other time that I had seen him before Summer Catch. Yes, and I was right. The other film came out a year later. I'll talk about that in a minute. I, I was, I was not um, one of these people in ninety. Like in nineteen ninety nine, I would rather watch Ten Things I Hate About You than She's All That. Yeah, you know. Um, so the only two films I had seen with him before this movie was I Know What You Did, and I still know what you did last summer. Um, and I'm very happy 
very strange to me that both he and Matthew Lillard would go on a year later to play Fred Jones and Shaggy Rogers. Yes. I knew you were going with that. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I'll be honest. Freddie Prince Jr. did not make a good Freddie, but Matthew Lillard, by far and away, the one of the best Shaggies I've ever seen. He's second only to Casey. Well, he is second only to Casey. I'm going to bring this up only because Kevin Bacon once was on uh, Jay Leno and he's talking about how he should have been cast. And this is well before they even were talking about doing the Scooby-Doo movie. But he was talking about how he should have been cast as Shaggy. And he Mm -hmm. got up and he started doing the whole, hey, Scoob, you know, type thing. And I, of course, can't do it for shit. But, (laughs) you know, he's walking along and he's doing the whole Shaggy walk. And I was just like, oh, shit, it is Shaggy. (laughs) You know, then I heard Matthew Lillard doing it. And I'm like, no, he's Shaggy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So Summer Catch basically is about Ryan Dunn who is a local baseball prospect who gets an opportunity to play in the Cape Cod Baseball League for the Chatham Athletics. Dunn was born and raised in Chatham, Massachusetts, and dreams of playing in the major leagues. He helps his dad with his landscaping business and takes care of uh, Veterans Field, where the Chatham A's play. And as we go along through the story, so basically, Summer Catches, it's a class tale. Is what it, I mean, oh, yeah. really? If they really wanted to rename this movie, they could have named it "The Tale of Two Towns" or "The Tale of Two Cities" or whatever. Like, this is so much a class movie because you have the Dunn family who are middle. I would say probably yeah. the middlest of middle class. I they're, mean, they're not rich. They're not poor. They're blue collar workers. I mean, that's the yeah, best way to put yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, so we have them, and you know. This starts out in Ryan's journey. He's he's had a troubled past where he got kicked out of Framingham and you know screwed up in Hyannis and screwed up in all these other places and everything else and you know got thrown off a couple of teams uh, and but you know this is his one last big shot and he doesn't want to screw it up and his family is filled with. Screw ups, especially his father, played by the incomparable Fred Ward. Oh, he was great. <laughs> he was great. Um, so as the story goes on, we see Ryan and his attempt. He he is a pitcher for the Chatham A's, uh, and his attempt to get the start and whatever else. And this other kid, Van Lemer, comes in. And the, it's one of those things where Ryan has the blue collar, the blue collar uh, friend type situation, and Van Lemer and Robin and all of them. There, they feel it. It's basically a very high schoolish type of film when you really think about it. Yeah. Um, you know, they feel that they are all better than he is, and everything else, and and he wants to strive. He doesn't want to be like them, but he wants to strive to get to where Van Lemer is because Van Lemer comes in and says, "Oh well." You know, I turned down two million from the Dodgers. That's just chump change. And you know, they're all looking at him like that is not chump change. Yeah. Um so as we go along we have Ryan's story. We also have uh his dad's story, Fred, uh, uh I'm sorry, Sean actor 
whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we have his father, Sean, who since his mother died, Sean has been struggling. I mean, he gets by day to day, but he's – He's a functioning alcoholic, I guess you could say. That was um, kind of the that was kind of the impression I got from him too. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a functioning alcoholic, uh, and he is the landscaper, the 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 lawn service for the entire town of Chatham, and you know. You've got uh, Shaw Road, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah. And you've got all the rich people on this one road, and and uh, uh, the parishes are one of those rich families. Uh, Bruce Davison, oh. um, <laughs> good old Bruce Davison, uh, Senator Kelly or Professor Kelly from from. It was the first place I'd ever seen him. I think is X Men a year before this. He played um, Robert Kelly, the uh, the future senator. He was the mutant that got transformed by Magneto, yeah. and he ended up with a giant blob. But anyway, um, so you got him as the as the basically stuck up father, and you know treating the help poorly and everything else. And as we go along, the baseball world and and the love lives of Ryan as well as his friend Billy, who just came in from California, um, who. Clearly, like this, this film is actually the reverse of Goodwill Hunting for Billy because Billy clearly has never been outside of California because yeah. he would know that there's no surfing. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, there's no, it's just no. Um, so he comes in. They all kind of struggle, and we all find out that as as Ryan comes to the point of you know meeting Tenley and not knowing who her father is and just having a relationship and I, I love the back and forth between them where either you know where where she is always you know chasing him out of the bar and she even yeah. makes it a point to say isn't it the guy that usually chases the girl you know and, and it's <laughs> this whole really cute thing with them um, as the 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 film moves on we have uh, uh, the, the constant story with uh, with Ryan and his pitching and everything else um and he's he's doing fairly well uh for the most part um and it, it just it's one of those movies where it, it's so interesting to me that they have these you know house parents that you know bring in the kids from out of town and oh yeah we get to, <laughs> <laughs> we get to um mrs griswold because she's just I believe she well, she, Beverly D'Angelo is uncredited first of all, but she is the, the character's name is like horny. Not I don't think it's horny. It's like lusty housewife, or it's some sort of housewife thing in the credits. I forget what yeah. it is actually, but um, she and and uh, Fez uh, or Dom, <laughs> Damo uh, Damo they have a relationship, and he's scared to death. He. He's not a kid that would, you know. Uh, you're would... a virgin, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, it's yeah. just so funny. It's like, hand me the cucumber. It's like, oh, oh my god. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was even better when Billy goes over after the next day. He's there and he goes, man. He goes, oh, my God, she served me a cucumber salad for lunch. (laughs) I lost at that point. (laughs) 
Oh. So Billy is struggling this whole time, and as the movie goes on, uh, he eventually meets up with Ryan's childhood friends, Augie and Pete. And because the whole beginning of the movie is Augie's sister, played by the late Brittany Murphy, uh, who basically can piss beer quite literally. Um, uh, she makes Ryan late to practice and that, you know, that that's the beginning of the movie that has whole, you know, that has repercussions. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he ends up in her orange thong and, and, uh, uh, everything else. So after all that happens and, and, you know, Ryan's like, you know, DD, we can't do this. So Billy's having such a hard time. He's like, uh, no, I'm gonna have Augie take you to the apartment. I uh, to, to the airport. I, I gotta go meet Tenley. I, dude, I can't believe you're ditching me for a girl. <laughs> oh, I'm so bad, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so you know, uh, Augie's like, "Hey, Billy, have you met my sister Dee Dee? Oh no, I don't think I've had the pleasure yet. And as soon as as soon as Billy and Dee Dee go off and you know have sexual relations or whatever the hell you know they go off and have their fun next day and for the rest of the season Billy's average just keeps climbing and climbing so basically what they're saying here in this movie is that sex and baseball go hand in hand. Well, come on, you you, you get to first base, you get to second base, <laughs> you hit a homer, wham wham, uh, thank you, ma'am. Uh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we get to a point in the movie where uh, Ryan's dad, Sean, quits because of the things that he, that, that Tenley's dad said about him. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and he, and, he, and he goes on to say, you know, you know, pride isn't exclusive to you people here on Shore Road, uh, Mr. Parrish. Good day to you, sir. Yeah. Um, and all this and all that. As the film progresses, Van Lemer is just like hounding and hounding and hounding Ryan and we get to a point where I don't even know why they're that they go up there but they get to a point where they go up to the um clubhouse at Veterans Field yeah and I don't know if they want to hang out and smoke out there or what's go I don't know why they're even in I, there yeah, it doesn't really say I didn't understand why they had why they had the thing that they were trying to light to begin with you know that that like piece of paper or whatever it was yeah, I don't understand it. I, that's the one part of the film I just don't get. But it sets it up where um, Robin gets out uh, and uh, Van Lemer and Lauren are trapped up there and Ryan goes in and saves it, but the clubhouse is burned down and they get a huge ass-chewing from the coach. And, and he says, you know, you know, Van Lemer and Robin, they're ghosts. They're gone, you know. You know, you need to get your act right. And he goes on and talks to Ryan about, you know, being a left-handed pitcher and everything else. And um, throughout all of this, Tenley's sister, Katie, is uh, trying to find the right <laughs> mascot. Yes. I-, I thought that was so adorable. She's dressed up as the clam, and then you see her as the fish. Um, yeah. And that last one. Go ahead. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about a few of the other ones first. It's like... Clammy the Clam, Chatham Clams. Yes. What are you doing here, fish girl? <laughs> it's like, oh my god. And the last one is Barnacle Barb. Uh, and Barnacle Barb was a real hit, and you know, likes to drink, likes to fight, and there, you know, everybody, you know, she won them over, and yay. <laughs> it's it's kind of the entire movie's message is kind of like 
re, you know, you know, reaching your goals and, you know, uh, like, like Tenley says to Ryan, you know, if you want big rewards, you got to take big risks. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is true for not just his character and her character. It's true for all of the, I don't want to say child, but all of the non, it's true for all of them except for, uh, Rand, uh, her dad. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's true for all the characters except for like the ancillary kind of characters. And I'm not saying her dad is an ancillary character. I'm like, it doesn't matter about the coach. It doesn't matter about the announcers. It doesn't matter about, you know, any of that stuff, but just the core group here um, that they've all grown and whatever else. And oh my God. I got to pause this or edit it. I'll be right back. All right. So after uh, the coach bitches them all out, um, God, I'm trying to remember. After the coach bitches them all out now, uh, you know, he takes takes Ryan aside and says, you know, you know, just go do what you do. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and, and uh, Ryan has the, uh, the final game. Uh, because, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm missing a point here. I'm sorry. After that point, there was a night that, uh, the 25th, uh, I guess it was Labor Day or something, or I don't know. It's one of them damn holidays. Um, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. Saying no, you about just Labor. can't remember which one it was yeah. from the movie. Yeah, yeah. One of them things. Um, uh, she told, Tenley tells him, I can see you pretty much all summer except the 25th. Can you know? Yeah. Well, because he had such a bad night, that was the night of, um, the night with his brother and his dad and all this and all that and everything else. Because he had such a bad night, he wanted to talk to her. He goes over there. Turns out she has a whole past, and she's supposedly engaged to this other guy. They were on a break when she met Ryan and whatever else, and so that just kind of sets him off and sets her off and they're pretty much broken up at this point and kind of stays that way till the end of the movie. He has to focus on this final game, this big game of the summer uh, for them to win the championship, I believe. And he basically brings his A game and he goes in and says, you know, hey, look, I'm going to bring my A game and here it is. And he pitched a no-no for nine innings. Yes. And throughout this whole thing, you know he's uh, he's uh, you know doing all this work and getting all these people out and everything else, and he's thinking about Tenley and thinking about you know what could be and what should be and what he really really wants, and you know he calls <laughs> he calls Brew up. He's like Brew, come here. And he's like I love her, 
That's great. I I love her too. Who are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, Denley. Oh oh well, go get her. Go get her, son. Oh, you start up the car, huh? Huh? Start up the Pete. Go start the car. <laughs> like you know, it's one of those things. So he he goes. He leaves in the bottom of the ninth. With a no-no, two on, two in. It's your standard baseball, bottom of the ninth, two on, two out. Winning run is coming up, uh, you know, and you got to either strike him out or get him out or whatever else. So Knight, the closer, comes in, and he shuts it out for him. Uh, Throughout this time, I believe Hank Williams is in there (laughs) as one of the scouts. Uh, And you also have... um, Oh crap! His name's right here. Uh, you also have uh, John C. McGinley uh, yes. as as Hugh Alexander, and Hugh Alexander is the uh, scout for the Phillies. Uh, and you know, by this time, you know, we're at the end of the movie. Everybody's made up. Tanley and Ryan have made up. Uh, you know, her sister is happy for her. The father is whatever, I guess, and Tanley's father. And yeah. then you know. Sean and Ryan, they they make up. The brother makes up, and everything else. And and you know they you know stop the car, stop the car. Yeah, we won! Yay! <laughs> um, so there is that. Uh, and as they win, uh, they go back uh, to the well. You know, they go to the airport, and somehow I, I forget off the top of my head. You can remind me. Somehow the scout is there. Yeah, he shows or, up. No, no, no. He sh- he's at the field. It's when when it's when uh, uh, Tenley because Tenley wants to go back to the field. That's what it is. Right. He's already at the field. That's what it is. He you know says you know hey look you did great out there. Give you this 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 and this and this and his father comes in and says no this, and everybody just like dead silence. And he's like, will that do the trick? And bing bam boom, he's in the majors. Well, he he's in the minors, I should say. He's in you know. And he gets, uh, you know, the film kind of closes with with Tenley and him being together and whatever else. It closes with uh, with him in a Phillies uniform facing Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> Never. As talented as Ryan is, no way in hell he's striking out Jr. Yep. And uh, gives and, up a gives up a homer on that one. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, you know. And overall, the plot of the movie, outside of the whole thing with the fire in the clubhouse, I understand that was a way to get rid of Van Lamer and Robin. Yeah. But other than that, um, this film is amazing. Oh. As far as the story, as far as the plot, absolutely love everything about this film. I'll tell you, there, there were two things that really enamored me in this film. And, I, you know, I, I got to admit, I was thinking with my pants a little bit with this. Okay. <laughs> and I'm sure you know exactly which scenes I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The very beginning, when he first sees Tenley at the pool, he, he's riding on the riding lawnmower and like runs uh-huh. over the flowers as he stares her stares at her mm-hmm. in that red swimsuit. And all I could think of as I'm watching this, <laughs> I'm having flashbacks of fast times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. It's just what was happening. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, and I and I kind of skipped over the whole thing of their courtship because there is a point where um, in their courtship where they do take a midnight swim. Yes. <laughs> and 
you know, that was always so interesting. And the father is like, oh, the cars, the cars. (laughs) Ah, that son of a bitch is getting, he's going to steal the car or something. You know, yeah. But seeing, seeing them and seeing Jessica Biel. Wearing mm-hmm. that top and realizing that she wasn't wearing a bra underneath because there's no way in hell that thing could have been that skin tight and showing <laughs> without showing the curves of the bra. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, that's all I'm gonna say. Just yeah. wow. Um, uh, you know this. She is a gorgeous, gorgeous woman. Mm-hmm. And you know, going from this, even coming back a couple years later when she was in, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, and seeing mm-hmm. her there. Just, oh, my God. You know, yeah. <laughs> my wife was very happy that night. Let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, Summer Catch was a really, really awesome movie filled with so many cool lines. Um, you know, there's just so many quotable lines from this movie. Honestly, oh, yeah. there really is. Uh, go ahead. Who, who was it? Uh, the the one guy that was the uh, who they kept ragging on him because he was he was a oh, chubby chaser. Miles, yeah, Miles Dal Ripple. Yeah, I love that. He walks in and he's like he's reading off that whole poem to that girl who's hiding behind the curtain, and she comes out yeah. and it's like, holy shit! <laughs> and mm-hmm. then at the very end, he like goes off and he's he's ranting. I love my big ass women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, what's so funny about that is I remember when I had the DVD of this and there's a commentary on it. Um, the director says that the girl cheering for Miles at the end of the movie or the end of the game, the, like after that scene, that's the same girl. Really? But apparently there, 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 there was some time between filming of scenes and she lost all this weight. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it's the same girl. Oh, um, my God. Um, so some of the quotes that I absolutely love, uh, in, um, you know, in in this movie. So now, so you mow her lawn and now you're trying to mow her lawn, (laughs) (laughs) Billy. Um, what bats suck? Why do you think God invented aluminum? (laughs) Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Uh, I'm going to say this much as I like Freddie Prinze Jr. And much as he was the you know, kind of the star of this film. Matthew Lillard was, I, I, I felt he was more of a main character than Freddie Prince he, Jr. was. Well, yeah, I mean, he's, you know. He was supposed to be just the buddy kind of helping him out, you know, yeah, the side but I mean, character, but. Well, he's also supposed to be the comedy of the movie because the whole point of the series, Ryan is too serious. Yeah. The, the Ryan character is, I don't want to say this, but I will. He's the straight man of the movie. Yeah. Um, you know, and you needed somebody like Billy to, you know. Yeah. Uh, Just to you throw know, everything this. off a bit. Um, uh, some other quotes here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh Oh, when um, uh, when 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 Ryan goes over to Augie and Pete to tell him that, that that he loves her, and he's like, "I love her," and Pete's like, "Me too." Looks at Augie, who? <laughs> Absolutely love that. And 
Um, but this movie is so, so amazing. Uh, let's talk about the cast a little bit in this one because there's a lot of people in this movie. Oh, hell yes. Um, you know, we kind of already talked about Freddie Prince Jr. I, he did a whole season of 24 in 2010 as Cole Ortiz on TV. Um, currently, he is going to be a voice in Star Wars Rebels. Um he did Mass Effect 3. He did Dragon Age Inquisition. He did uh, he did the adult Jim and Tim Possible voices for Kim Possible A Stitch in Time in 2003. Uh, he was on Friends for an episode. He was on Frasier for an episode. Um, his film career... Um, the last thing it says here that he worked on was... Mass Effect Paragon list, uh, which was a video game, but, um, uh, you know, I'm trying to see the last happily never as a voice, uh, shark bait shooting gallery. I don't know. I mean, on Wikipedia, it doesn't list a lot. Maybe it does on IMDb, but I mean, it seems like he's kind of faded. Yeah. I've kind of noticed that it is like ever since he tied the knot with, um, Sarah Michelle. Yeah. And she became Sarah Michelle Prince rather than Geller. It, it, he's just kind of fallen off the face of the earth. Yeah. Um, now we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Maybe the Star Wars Rebels, you know, will we'll suck him back up or something. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, God, I hope she sticks with. I mean, I know on one wiki it says that she took his name, but Jesus, I hope as far as her. Acting, she sticks with her actual last name. Yeah, uh, Jessica Biel. I when I remember when I first saw this trailer, I'm like, oh my god, that's the seventh heaven chick, and she's nearly naked at a pool scene. Yes, the, the WB can't like this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she has had an interesting career for film. Um, uh, I'll be home for Christmas. Yuli's Gold, um, Summer Catch were her first three that she's really recognized for. Um, she was in Rules of Attraction in 2002, Chainsaw Massacre in 2003, Cellular, she was in Blade Trinity along with Ryan Reynolds, uh, she was in Stealth, she was in Elizabethtown, uh, she was in Next in 2007 with Nick Cage, you already mentioned I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, um, let's see. If you guys want to see her topless, (laughs) powder blue. Uh-huh. She's a stripper. Oh my god. Yeah, uh, it's worth see. it. It's worth it. Just for that little clip, it's worth watching the movie. The rest of the movie sucks, but <laughs> go watch the movie. <laughs> she was in the A team in twenty ten. Uh last year she was in Emmanuel and the Truth About Fishes. No idea what that is. Uh she was in Hitchcock, she was in Playing for Keeps, The Tall Man, Total Recall in twenty twelve. Um, that horrible, horrible remake. I mean, she was probably the best thing of it. Yeah. Uh, she played Cat for an episode in New Girl this year. Um, so she's she's got a lot of stuff under her belt. And I really do like her yeah. as as an actress. She's a really cool uh you know, cool person to you know, to see in different roles. Um Fred Ward, um you know, uh, what can we say said about Fred Ward? Ward, uh, yeah. It, I mean, 
Now, see, I thought I, – it doesn't say this on, on Wiki, but I honestly thought that he was Burt Ward's father. Oh, man. Oh, seriously. I, I can thought see that, that though. I can, time. See I can see that. Um, uh, let me see here. Uh, for his filmography, he started in 1973 with The Power of Cosmos uh, – or Power of Cosmo, I should say. Um, Hearts of the West in 75, Quincy M.E. in 78, uh, Escape from Alcatraz, he was in The Incredible Hulk for two episodes in 79. Um, let's see here, what else has he been in? I'm going to mention the horrible film that my father took me to see when I was like seven. Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. (laughs) He dodges bullets in the film. It's horrible, absolutely horrible. Um, You know, I, that and then, of course, you want a classic bad horror flick, which I may have to cover at some point in time on this show. Uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon and Earl, you know, he plays Earl Bassett in Tremors. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's bad, but it's one of these things that it's like, OK, you can laugh at it because it's just so bad. <laughs> now, the interesting thing about him, uh, about Fred Ward uh, before this and I don't know if I could put the two together, and I, maybe I did when I first saw Summer Catch, but uh, I think I did. Um, I said, hey, it's Rocco Dillon, because he was Rocco Dillon in Naked Young 33 and a third. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see here. He was in The Crimson Code in 99. Uh, he was in, uh, let's see what else. Um, Along with Summer Catch in 2001, he was in Corky Romano, Joe Dirt, Full Disclosure, Wild Iris, and Dice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, He was in Sweet Home Alabama in 2002. Uh, More recently, he was Admiral Tui in Two Guns from last year. Uh, He was in 30 Minutes or Less. He was... uh, He had... One episode of the USA series In Plain Sight in 2010. Um, he's had an interesting career. Yeah, he doesn't seem... He's... How do I say this? He, he's not a major character actor, but, I mean, you see him and he's like, oh, hey, I recognize him. Mm-hmm. It's kind of thing. He, he reminds me of, like, Jeremy Piffin uh, before he did... Uh, uh, what was it? The Entourage series uh yeah yeah you know jeremy was you'd see him and you'd recognize him and you go oh hey i've seen him somewhere but i can't remember where fred ward is kind of the same thing you know i mean my big thing i remember watching over the two night span uh the right stuff movie where he played gus grissom and that was probably the one thing that i remembered him from more than anything else Mm -hmm. uh but you know just a great great actor i think absolutely absolutely uh, moving on to Shaggy, um, <laughs> he started in 1991 for film with Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College. Um, <laughs> there are some horror films that should just not have been made. Uh, in 1995, he had, um, uh, I'm trying to, yeah, he had two kind of breakout roles. Uh, he was in Mad Love. And as well as hackers. Now, hackers as serial killer, <laughs> everybody remembers every and serial as in Fruit Loops, not as in yes, actually. But hackers was was amazing. Uh, if these walls could talk, he was in Scream and Scream Two. 
He was in She's All That. He was in Wing Commander. He was in also in Scream 3. Um, uh, and then, which is so funny because, now, what is this movie about? I don't even want to. Uh, He was in a horror film, which I'm surprised they haven't done this for a Scooby-Doo film, but right before Scooby-Doo in 2001, right after Summer Catch, he played Dennis Ravkin in a film called 13 Ghosts. Yes. And all I can think of is the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Yes. And it was was a remake of a really bad black-and-white film of the 50s. Mm -hmm. Um. I, I saw the original. They they run it like on Turner Classic Movies around Halloween, right around mm-hmm. this time of year. And I've seen it once before, and I'm like, <laughs> some of the stuff that's in this movie, they, they made you have to wear special glasses in order to be able to see the 13 ghosts. Mm-hmm. And in this one here, it's like they have, you know, in the, in the original movie, it was kind of like, oh, you know, you're going to be wearing 3D glasses, and that will allow you to see the ghosts. You could take the glasses off and see them. And mm-hmm. the remake that they did, everybody who put on the glasses could see it. You know, they had Tony Shalhoub in the film. It was, oh, God, it was horrible. It was just really, <laughs> really nasty. Don't recommend it. But, yeah, I, I get yeah, what you're uh, saying with Scooby-Doo. Yeah. And then, you know, from 2011, well, actually, from about 2010 to now, he's mainly been shaggy in a lot of Scooby-Doo stuff. Um, he did have that return to Nims Island last year. Um, he did have National Lampoon Presents Surf Party. Wow. Uh, so there is that for television. Now, this is something that really, really freaked me out. Uh, in 2009, he was on the episode uh, Ballerina on Law & Order Special Victims Unit. And he... Does not look like Matthew. He lo- he looks and sounds like Matthew Lillard in the face, but he gained a hell of a lot of weight for that one TV episode. Apparently, really, uh, yeah. Go seek it out. See if you can find it somewhere and watch it. Because he, he, I'm like, wait a minute. Is that is that Matthew Lillard? I could barely recognize him. Um, and currently he was. Uh, he was uh, he's a character Daniel Fry on FX's series The Bridge. He was also in an episode of The Good Wife uh, as Roby. Um, uh, so there is that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, other cast members for uh, Summer Catch: uh, Brittany Murphy. I mean, everybody knows Brittany Murphy. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's you know very sad of her passing. Um, but she obviously got her st- – she did something called Family Prayers in 93, but, I mean, Ty and Clueless, she, that's where she really broke out. Yeah. Um, since then, she had done stuff like Drop Dead Gorgeous, Girl Interrupted, uh, Cherry Falls, The Audition, Sidewalks of New York. Uh, she was in Don't Say a Word with Michael Douglas. Um, she was in Just Married with – Ashton Kutcher, I believe. Why she she was in a movie yeah. with Ashton Kutcher about some I think that just was being, it. yeah. Uh Love and Other Disasters in two thousand six. Um uh, so apparently her last role uh was Abandon as Mary it was a direct video release in twenty ten. Apparently this year, as a posthumous release, there's gonna be something called Something Wicked and she plays Susan. 
for TV, she started in 91 on Murphy Brown as Frank's sister. Uh, Kids Incorporated as Celeste. She was on that. Oh, my God. Parker, Parker Lewis Can't Lose as Angie. She was on Blossom as Wendy. Uh, she was on Party of Five, Sister, Sister. She was on Boy Meets World. Uh, Sequest DSV, Murder One, Nash Bridges. Oh, yeah, I remember that episode, Night Train. I didn't like that one. That's probably one of the only Nash Bridges episodes I don't really care for. She played Jasmine in an episode of the TV series Clueless in 96. Uh, she was a voice on King of the Hill, uh, Luann Platter. That's probably where I remember her most from is just that yeah. and like her huge, huge amount of roles. She did that in, mm-hmm. in the voice of uh, Joseph, who was Bobby's uh, friend, mm-hmm. you know. I thought she was great doing that, but I would have had no idea that, you know, here this, I'll, I'll say it. She was kind of sexy, you know, mm-hmm. but to see that and then to hear the voice of Luann who ended up marrying Tom <laughs> Petty. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Oh, Lord. I think outside of Summer Catch, the two things I remembered Brian Dennehy most for are the FX movies. Okay, good. I was going to say, if you forget those, I'm going to have to slap the shit out of you. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, FX movies are probably one of my favorites. Uh, oh, my God. I, I And I'm drawing a complete blank on the Australian actor that, that starred in it with him. But Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How dare you? I know forget? who he is. I know how, who he is. How how dare you forget Coglin's Law? Yes, I know. I know he was in he was in <laughs> Cocktail, and I know that. I just can't remember his goddamn name. Brian Brown. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know he's been in a bunch of things. It's just like, oh shit, oh shit, what's his name? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, I I loved him in that, and where he glues the guy's hands to the gun. Best scene ever. Best part of the movie ever, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Well, more recently, it seems that he has... Dennehy is kind of retired. Uh, he was in an episode of The Big C last year on TV. He was in The Challenger uh, television movie as Chairman William Rogers on TV. He was in an episode of The Good Wife, two episodes of The Good Wife. He was Detective Kenny Lee on an episode of uh, uh, Resilient Isles. Um, but like as far as his film stuff, he pretty much stopped after 2011. Yeah, that's what it looks like. I mean, I'm looking yeah. here to see because he was apparently a well, yeah. I mean, he was a he was a voice in Ratatouille back in 2007, <laughs> but yeah, mm. you know, it's like, damn, what happened to him? You know, I mean, he is getting up there in age. Maybe he decided to retire. Who knows? Yeah. Um, all right. So other cast members. I have to talk about Gabriel Mann just for a minute here. I'm not going to spend too much time on him. But the only reason why I'm going to talk about him is because he really nailed the Boston accent in this movie. Oh. And it's so strange for me to see him play Nolan Ross on Revenge from ABC now. Okay. Cause, yes, because that was the first thing my wife was watching the show, and she goes, <laughs> hey, that's the guy from Revenge. And I'm like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, um, he got his start in television as Carl 
Tawoni on an episode of ER in 97. For film, he started in 95 on Parallel Sons. Uh, had, uh, he was the clean-cut boy, and I shot Andy Warhol in 96. Uh, he was... Oh my God! He was Owen in Great Expect. That's right! Wow, he was Owen in Great Expectations in '98 with Paltrow and uh, and uh, Hawk. Yeah, uh, Cherry Falls, a lot like Love. Um, more recently, his films in the last couple of years, he had Psych Nine in 2010. He had Fake in 2011. Zero sum in la- uh, last year and this year he had uh, Caesar Chavez. Um, he's a really cool actor. He's a really interesting actor, and like I said, I love watching him on Revenge. I love watching that character. So there's that. Um, who else do we want to talk about here? Do we really have to talk about Fez? I mean, everybody knows who's Fe- who Fez is. I mean, he's he he was Fez, and then he became Handy Manny. Yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> Okay, you know. if you don't know who we're referring to, Wilmer Valderrama, yes. Fez from the that '70s show, end of story. Yeah. Uh, oh, it, on on Wikipedia, it does credit uh, Mrs. Griswold as lusty house mother. Yeah. So this is, <laughs> um, but I remember when I saw, I didn't even have to see her. I heard her voice, and I'm like, whoa, 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 what is Ellen Griswold doing in this movie? <laughs> um, hey, Sparky. Yeah. I was just waiting for her to say that. <laughs> um, this movie, I'm glad, well, this movie didn't do so well. It had a $34 million budget. Sadly, the box office only got in $19 million, which kind of sucks, because the movie is pretty awesome. Um it was directed, produced by uh, Tolan and Robbins. Uh, Mike Tolan, Michael Tolan, um, he, as a director and uh, producer, uh, director, he started, uh, his first one was the Baseball Bunch TV series documentary, one episode in 82. Uh, but really where people will know him from probably is as a producer on Smallville. Okay, that's why he's an executive producer, uh, Tolan and Robbins Inc. Um, so that's that's where people will remember the director of this film. Uh, overall, Summer Catch, I still love it to this day. I can still watch it at any point in time. Yeah, I mean, it's a movie that I would probably pick up again and watch. It's not, it's not my favorite movie. But it's still a good movie. It's one of these ones that you can catch on a Sunday afternoon or something like that. You know, you're, you're flipping through channels and it comes on. It's like, oh, okay, let me watch this. That's the kind of feeling I got from this movie. It's it's not great. It's not bad. It's just one that you watch to enjoy and just kind of veg out on is the best way I can describe it for me. Yeah, for you. See, for me, because it has that hometown feel, for me it's right. much more than that. And I swear to God, I want to blow up the institution that is Rotten Tomatoes. Because these people, like, apparently they have no Bostonians on their panels or on their reviews or whatever else. Because according to Wikipedia, the reception for the movie, Summer Catch holds an 8% rating on Rotten Tomatoes based on 91 reviews, with the consensus, quote, a cliched and predictable sports comedy that's mostly devoid of excitement or laughs. Summer Catch is strictly Bush League. Are you kidding me? Does nobody find the fact that they have, 
linked, explicitly linked sex and baseball. Everybody says, you know, base, you know, to quote um, Raymond Kalitri from Gone in 60 Seconds, I, I don't get it. You know, this baseball is so bleeding boring. I don't understand why they're, oh, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's probably best. <laughs> so let's go ahead. We'll take a quick break here. Uh, I'll I'll put in here a trailer for our next film, and <laughs> we'll we'll come back here in a minute. So you don't have a cell phone, a BlackBerry, a pager, nothing? No. Well, what if some sudden crisis occurs, like your father has a heart attack or something? My father died two years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. I just found out this morning, so it's been a rough 24 hours. You know, maybe I should get a cell phone. That's a good idea. Lindsay Meeks has never met a guy quite like Ben. All right, Lindsay, so what's the matter with this one? I'm about to turn 2010, and instead of becoming more open and available, I'm becoming less open. All the guys you date are competitive and successful. It's like you're dating yourself. Ding, ding, ding. This guy has got such a good vibe. I really think you've got something here. Me too. Something's not quite right. Robin, there is a reason this Ben guy is still single. I'm really going to take a chance now. Lindsay? Will you go to opening day with me? <laughs> yes. She knows he's a fan. Where do the Sox rank in your life? I say Red Sox and breathing. Can you believe this pinhead? She knows he's devoted. This Red Sox thing, it's an obsession. I know, it's just that I hate when it becomes... But she's about to discover... They're sending me to Paris to close the deal. And I am taking... What? Just how committed he really is. We're two games out of first with three weeks left, you know, but this is when they need me. When they need you. From 20th Century Fox. Dump him. What? Give him the boot. At what point do you say to yourself, I'm counting on you to be the one, and I have no fallback plan? It's not another woman. It's an entire team. She wants me to give this up? You love the socks. But have they ever loved you back? Who are you, Dr. Phil? Get at it. Go, go, hit, go swing the bat. Drew Barrymore, Jimmy Fallon. 23 years. You still care about anything you cared about 23 years ago? It's only a game. What did you just say? She said it's, it's a cry and shame. <clears throat> and start moving towards the door. Fever pitch. You want to tell me, Frank? <laughs> One, please. All right, and we're back here for our next part of the double header for talking about my generation. Uh, Mike, I know that you, this is like your film in a sense. I'm going to let you do all the intro on this one. Oh my God. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about 2005's Farrelly Brothers production and direction, Fever Pitch. Uh, Fever Pitch basically is uh, Jimmy Fallon, Drew Barrymore, uh, who else is in it? Uh, Jason Spiewak, um, who has been in 1980. Uh, Jack Keeler as Al. Uh, let's see. Lenny Clark as Uncle Carl. Um, I mean, really, it really falls to Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon for this movie. Um, yeah. There are her friends, um, Molly, Lana, and Robin. Uh there is his friends, um, 
uh, Troy uh, uh, and them. Um, yeah, I, I can't for life remember their names, but I mean they were yeah. they were memorable, but they were kind of forgettable in a sense. Well, at first I thought that the one that was and the sad thing is that the doctor. At first I thought I thought that was um, Willie Garson at first. <laughs> I really yeah. did. Um, so Fever Pitch is uh, no, it was uh, Kevin. It was Willie. I was right. It was Willie Garson. Okay. Oh. Um, yeah, it was. It was him. Uh, uh, so the plot basically Ben Reitman. Uh, uh, it starts out with Ben as a seven-year-old going to a Red Sox game with his uncle Carl. His uncle treated him like a son because he had no children of his own. The opening narrative explains that ever since that day, Ben became a diehard Red Sox fan. And honestly, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I'd I'd been to a couple of games at Fenway. And that, as a kid, that is an experience you never forget. Because back then, I mean, I I went to games. I went to two or three or four games between 85 and 87. So between the time I was five and seven years old. This was in the day before... And not that I have a problem with it now, but before they put seats on the monster, this was, you know, the 25 foot. This was the wall. You couldn't hit like the monster, the green monster. It was it lit. It still lives on in infamy today. And it was very rare for anybody, unless you were a Red Sox hitter, to actually see another baseball player, at least in Boston hit anything over the monster because once you did, you've conquered. Honestly, really, seriously, the left field wall in Fat Park, you know, the green monster, it's basically the beast for the entire Major League Baseball baseball League. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but, I mean, I, I was right where Ben is in the beginning of this, you know, just taking in the sights, the sounds, the the fans, the loyalty seeing all of this and, and, you know, that is just so, so great. So we get young Ben, um, when his uncle died, his, uh, he inherited his uncle's season tickets. Um, the story picks up 23 years later with Ben played by Jimmy Fallon as a school teacher who is still rather immature for his age. He meets Lindsay Meeks played by Barrymore, a professionally successful workaholic executive. When he first asks her out, she rejects him, but she later changes her mind and agrees to go out with him. Um, on their first date, Ben find, finds Lindsay very sick. She has food poisoning from a new restaurant where she had dined at earlier during the day. Lindsay runs into her bathroom and vomits. Ben decides to stay over the night and nurse her back to health. Okay, now, as the one thing, as I guess, quote-unquote romantic this may sound, that's the one thing looking at this film analytically that would kind of be a little on the creepy side. My wife I, said the I, same thing when she was I mean, watching. She's like, "He's staying there. He's undressing her and dressing her for bed while she's sick, and it's a I first mean, date." I mean, I mean, yeah, but to be fair, he did look away. You know, for okay, the most I part, looked. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, for, for the most part, he did. Um, so. And I assume this only lasted one night because it, it, it like she recovered really fast from that food poisoning because oh, yeah. it's the next day, um, and then they go to 
they then get to uh, you know um, you know L- Lindsay feeling better finds Ben sleeping on her couch. Ben wakes up and he and Lindsay end up developing a romantic relationship with each other, um, uh, overcoming her initial hesitance. She becomes attracted to him because of his ability to show a passionate commitment to something. That spring, he later pretends he is proposing to her, but instead asks her to the Red Sox home opener. Okay, so we have two different personalities for Ben. We have winter guy and summer guy. And here's the thing, folks. It doesn't matter where you live in the city of Boston. It it really doesn't. Anybody who is waiting on their season tickets to be delivered will do exactly what he did. (laughs) Run out in the street half-naked, no shoes, and get the box from the mailman. Um, and and I'm sure that there are people who have a group of friends, like Ben does, who will fight over who gets to go with him to the games and, you know, who wants a Yankee game and who wants a Seattle game and who wants this and who wants, you know. And it, it's such such a cool thing. It, 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 oh, God, it. Come on, yeah. come on, dance for me, dance for me. You want Yankee tickets? That's not Yankee dancing. <laughs> I was dying at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Lindsay finds out about all this, and she's kind of taken aback. She's still optimistic and, and cautious about it. And well, and, let, let's mention for a second that he does tell her that yes. he's a baseball fan, and she's That's, like. Oh, is that all? And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. I'm a baseball fan. I love the Red Sox. And she goes, yeah, I've been over to your apartment. I've seen, you know, I've seen the shower curtain. I've seen your towels. That's nothing. Okay, so you're a Red Sox fan. So what? (laughs) And then, of course, while they're there, because he goes down for spring training to go see them in Florida, and he's there, and she and her dad are watching ESPN and see him, and she's like, oh, shit. (laughs) I, yeah. I just I love that it was just my wife was like oh my god oh my god and, and then of course she looks at him and she looks at me and she's like and I look at her and she goes this is like you in comic-con I'm like oh shut the fuck up <laughs> what makes it even worse with that is that he has been enjoying it he is in the length of this movie he had been mm-hmm. enjoying Boston Red Sox for 23 years Mm-hmm. I've been going to Comic Con for twenty three years. For twenty three years, <laughs> and so my wife looks at me and she's like, "I, I look it back and I go, don't you say a fucking word? <laughs> Shut the fuck up! It's not even the same. Kind of is. Shut up, you asshole! Uh, kind of, kind of is. Uh, now, see, here's the thing, though. You know, with the Red Sox, and I'm sure, like I said earlier, with the Red Sox, it's. I'm sure it's like this with other teams as well, but the Red Sox. They were at the pinnacle of baseball. They were one of the very first teams ever. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you have the whole thing with the babe and the curse and everything else. And we waited 86 years for a win. If that asshole Buckner hadn't let the damn thing slip through his legs, you know, it would we would have got it in '86, but you know, it didn't happen. So as the film goes on, the the Red Sox constantly come between Ben and Lindsay. Um, 
there's a point where she has a work trip to Paris and she wants to take him. And it's the weekend that the Mariners are in town, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head. And he's like, well, I can't. The Mariners are in town. They need me. And she's at this point, she's just fed up with it. She's like, the Mariners need you? I'm your girlfriend, you idiot. I want to take you to Paris. The Mariners, the Red Sox need you to help them against the Mariners. And, you know, she, and that's what kind of causes the whole break and everything else. And come to find out the whole time she is in Paris that they've been dating, she finds out that she is pregnant. Well, she thinks that she was pregnant, I thought. Right. And... You know, she, I believe she calls him and tells him that uh, she lost the baby, uh, which, you know, by the time all of this happens, by, by, the, by that point in the movie, he, you know, he's all really excited about After she tells him, he's all really excited about it and whatever else, because she actually tells him when she gets back, I believe, uh, from Paris. Well, I, th- um, I thought it was just before they were going because she was having the fight with him outside. And then it's like, you know what? Just go. Yeah. I'll, I'll be OK. You know, and all that. And then he she calls him while wakes him up and he answers on his phone. And mm-hmm. when that whole thing happened, I was kind of like my wife and I are sitting there and she goes, what did he what did, what just happened? And I go something mm-hmm. about either she was just late and, you know, she missed her period <laughs> period showed up or she lost the baby. I'm not sure. And that was yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so as the film goes on, the Red Sox start winning and they win and they win and they win. And we get to the playoffs. And it's so funny because <laughs> when when Ben meets her friends and he hears somebody at the next table uh, yes. talking about the game and. You know, he's like, I, I, I can't put my fingers in my ear because he doesn't want to hear it. And because he, he wants to be able to watch the game, you know, he couldn't go to the game. And and the one game he doesn't go to is the one game that they come from behind and kill the Yankees, uh, you know, and he it's this film is all about perspectives. Uh, it really is because he has his friends and, and, and the Red Sox. And really, that's all, you know. I mean, obviously he likes girls, but it's one of those things where he his his passion is more for his hobby than it is for any doesn't matter if it's Lindsay or not any like relationship. Yeah, because um, that was the relationship he grew up on was the Red Sox. Um, so you know, uh, she so um, he gets a phone call in the middle of the night. Oh, they get. They get up to make food or something or other, and and he gets it. it it's after the party that, that 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 he went to miss for the game, and uh, you know Robin's birthday or so, one of her friends' birthdays or something or other, and uh, you know Troy calls and you know she's like, I think it's Troy. It's really noisy, and Troy goes on to tell him about you know come back from behind, eight runs, blah blah. blah. Turns on the TV and sees all this stuff, and he kind of comes to realize that. The Red Sox really don't need him. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, it's just a game. No. Yeah, what? what? It's, it's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he finally comes to realize that Lindsay is is his future along with the Red Sox. But he, in order to win her back, he's going to sell his seats to 
Robin's boyfriend, Chris, and his group, his, you know, the girls, Artie and, uh, and, and, uh, Cara, um, what was, uh, Al, uh, you know, would you, would you like a sponge? Yes. <laughs> Mr. Sponge tells me, he's like, you know, this is worse than when they sold the red, you know, you know they said, uh, one of the girls said, $125,000, that's how much they sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees for. Do you know what you're doing? And all, everybody's yeah. just giving him grief. And, and he's realizing that, you know, he has to give this up in order to find his, his love for Lindsay and win her back. And I guess this whole thing where <laughs> – and they actually did do this. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the field with her, you know, jumping down. I don't know if it was actually her. It was probably a stunt double that jumped down from the center field uh, seats, but jumps down, runs across the field, hides behind Johnny Damon, uh, whatever else, runs over, and you know, they they come, they they you know, she's like, man, I'm I'm getting arrested, and blah blah. blah. Movie turns out to where they go to the World Series. They shut him out in four. Uh, Lindsay is pregnant again. It's either going to be <laughs> Ted Williams Reitman or Carla Yastrzemski Reitman. And Al, as the narrator says, let's all pray for a boy. <laughs> um, but, ladies and gentlemen, this movie came out after the series. After, like... 2004 was the most emotional year for me ever as a baseball fan because, hello, this is the Red Sox, damn it. They hadn't won anything in 86 years, and they started winning and winning and winning. And it was a emotional roller coaster, and it was amazing. And having the Farrelly's even do this movie, like this movie, doesn't even feel like a Farrelly Brothers movie. No, it, I mean it, it kind of does. There's a little bit towards the beginning where, where like you start seeing him in the shower, and you start seeing him, and they're trying to clean him up, and you know the, the anesthesiologist is shaving his balls, and it's like, okay, yeah. that I got the feeling like it was a Farrelly Brothers film. Yeah, there is a little bit, but the rest of it is basically, you know, heartwarming and, you know, centered around the Red yeah. Sox. And, um, so, yeah. Uh, um, I absolutely love this movie. There isn't a single scene in this that I question at all. There, there just isn't. Um, now, I mean, it, well, I mean, weren't you saying that like this film here? They they really uh, it's something I noticed, and my wife and I noticed as well. As we're mm -hmm. watching the film, she kind of goes, "Wow, the quality! Like when they're at the games themselves, it looks kind of grainy or something like that." And I go, "If I'm looking at that correctly, it's probably because they were using you know little handy cams or something like that to shoot it." I'm not sure what they shot it on. I do know that. Um that they were shooting at the games, I think. Um, but yeah, the, the handy cams, I'm not sure. I believe the Farrelly brothers did a commentary on the movie and I believe they said something about it on the commentary, but I honestly don't remember. Yeah. What I do remember is they were actually filming at these games. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and that was kind of the thing that I said to her and I says, you know, Mike said something about that, that they were filming at the games themselves, which I thought was pretty impressive. I mean, the fact that they were able to pull that off and, and, go out there, film, and nobody really cared. It was kind of like, you know, you could just see it. Eh, so what? We got film. We got footage. Well, they, like, on the on the stuff, like, with her and Johnny Damon and that kind of stuff, they had to obviously get permission to, 
to do that part specifically from, you know, the Red Sox and oh, Major yeah. League Baseball else. But, I mean, yeah, the rest of it I'm sure they had permission to do as well, uh, obviously. But, um, you know, the, the interesting thing on the production side of this is uh, the original plot assumed the Red Sox would lose in the playoffs. However, uh, because it basically mirrors what happened in 2004 – after they won eight straight games to win the 2004 American League Championship Series and subsequently World Series, ending had to be rewritten and additional scenes were shot in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, the couple of interesting notes here, uh, originally Sean Levy, who was a huge fan of the works of Nick Hornsby, or Hornby uh, for years, was attached to direct with Gwyneth Paltrow playing the Lindsay character. However, after reading the script, Paltrow found it mediocre and she turned down the role. Um, Brian Robbins replaced Levy but quit the project as well. After Drew Barrymore replaced Paltrow and Jimmy Fallon joined the cast, Jay, uh, Jay Russell, PJ Hogan, Luke Greenfeld, and Myra Nair were all rumored candidates to direct until the studios hired the Farrelly brothers to take the helm for the film. Um... So it's got a 64% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's that's good. I don't have to kill anybody this time around. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, you know, the soundtrack for it has uh, The Standells, Dirty Water, Dropkick Murphy's Tessie. Um, it's got Tears for Fears on here, uh, Who Killed Tangerine. Uh, it's got Nick Drake's Northern Sky. Um I mean, overall, Fever Pitch is one of, for me personally, one of the best baseball movies of all time. It's more of a baseball movie for me than it is a comedy. Oh, yeah. I, I would um, definitely have to agree with that. I mean, just watching it, you kind of got, you know, I mean, I've never been to Boston myself. I've never been into Fenway Park. This kind of gave me a feeling of, okay, so this is what you guys feel out there. This is how it is. You know, it's and I mentioned this when we were talking off air. I said, is it really like this out there in Boston with these crazy people? You know, I mean, and I don't mean crazy. I mean, like just pure craziness going on and all the hullabaloo with people standing out in the streets and cheering on right right there in front of Fenway Park. I have no oh, idea what it's like. And, you know, what did you say? It It's exactly like that. See, I, I it mean, really is. Yeah, I mean, out here we've got, you know, we get people that cheer on the Padres, but, you know, come <laughs> on. We're cursed, okay? You guys had the curse of the great Bambino. We're cursed with the curse of San Diego, I swear to God. Uh-huh. Um, two, two, two goddamn World Series, and we've been swept both goddamn times. Fuck you, yeah. Padres. <laughs> uh, uh, Let's see here. Uh, the opening day, for some trivia, the opening day sequence was filmed on September 4th, 2004, with Stephen King throwing out the first pitch. The Red Sox lost that game, ending a 10-game winning streak, and King was blamed for it in the Boston Globe. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, oh. God. Uh, let's see. Uh, ben has a gigantic replica of Fenway Park's left field wall, a.k.a. the Green Monster, on the wall of his apartment in real life, in his apartment, the wall includes a hand-operated scoreboard. Uh, the particular game immortalizing on Ben's mural is that of Game 3 of the 1999 American League Championship Series, won by the Red Sox over the New York Yankees 13-1 before Boston's conquest of New York in 2004, depicted at the end of the film. The 99 game was one of the most memorable Boston wins in recent memory. 
Um, let's see here. Uh, during the flashback to the first game that Ben's uncle took him to, we see three actual former 1980 Red Sox players playing themselves. Two are very recognizable star players in Dennis Eckersley and Jim Rice. The other is Keith McWhorter, who only pitched one season in the majors. His career record was zero wins and three losses in his 24-game career. Uh, let's see. The film mentions in long-standing story that former Red Sox owner and Broadway producer Harry Frazzy traded Babe Ruth in order to finance the musical No, No, Nanette. While it may have some truth to it, the deal was much more indirect and complex. Babe Ruth was traded to the Yankees for $100,000. No, No, Nanette was originally a non-musical stage play named My Lady Friends. Without the Babe Ruth trade, No, No, Nanette would not have been on Broadway. Uh, let's see here. Um... Footage from a game in Toronto, Canada, between the Yankees and the Blue Jays on October 1st, 2004, was shot for the movie. Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon were present at the game, and she threw out the first pitch. I thought I remembered that. I thought I remembered mm-hmm. seeing something with that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the Red Sox games filmed is the September 4th, against the Texas Rangers. Red Sox lost eight to six. Um, hmm. God, sadly, what is the strangest thing about this movie? And this must—I don't—I don't know. Maybe Jimmy needed a paycheck. Jimmy Fallon is actually a New York Yankees fan, born and raised in the state of New York. Oh my God! How so do you, that how? I don't know. I have no idea. Because I mean, I I know that there's bad blood between yeah. the Yankees oh, yeah. and the Red Sox. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can't believe he actually admitted admitted to doing that. Uh, now I, I'm going to make mention here because of the fuck up that I had with this. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to take my lumps for this. Oh Lord, 1997. This is actually a remake for the U.S. Uh, because there is a 1997 film based on football. Only it's not the football like what you guys think here. It's not soccer. American football. Yeah, it's soccer. You know, <laughs> it it takes place in Europe. It's actually got a guy who's basically he's a soccer hooligan. How else do you yeah. put it? I got that movie and I sat down and started watching it thinking it was Fever Pitch. Until the opening credits and went, what the fuck? There's nothing here with ba- with Boston. There's nothing here with baseball. What the hell is this? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And we ended up having to postpone this recording because of that. I, oh, my God. I honestly don't know how you could have done this. I really, really don't. Like, oh, my God. Oh. It, it it had to do with me searching on Netflix and and just kind of searching out oh, there for movies. Well, and... there you go, because it's not on Netflix. Well, no, see, this the, this one isn't. the The ninety seven version is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I deserve that. <laughs> At any rate, I acquired the film and I was able to watch this one. So it was. It was actually really, really good. I was really surprised at how well this movie was put together. And it gave me that feel of, you know, like I said, being in the stands, being a part of the Boston mania. Uh-huh. So 
you know, I mean, I'm glad that you introduced introduced this film to me and got me to sit down and watch it for this because it's not something I would have watched before. Um, the one one of the scenes we didn't really talk about was um, the scene when they're in the restaurant. There are three players of the Red Sox and they're eating. That's it. They're they're just eating. And it's one of those things where these guys don't realize that the players, while they know and respect and whatever for the history, but that's their job. You know, that's not, uh, there's no, I'm sure there's, obviously, I'm not going to say there's not pride in it, but there's a lot of pride in it, but this movie really just goes to show you how obsessed fans can get with anything, not just baseball, with, with any fandom. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, um, and Ben's character in the beginning is like way overboard. Um, you know, I, I, there was a comment that somebody made to him. One of the other teachers or something said to him, mm-hmm. hey, you know, Ben, there there are other sports than baseball out there. <laughs> you know, and, and of course, I'm sitting here thinking, well, yeah, there's the Patriots. There's the Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> there's the Red Sox. Yeah, there, there are other things out there in Boston besides that. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, it just it was one of those things that I kind of just hit on that and I'm focusing on the the, you know, the New England teams in a sense. Mhm. But he lived he lived, breathed, sweated, you know, it was coming out of his pores, the Boston Red Sox. Absolutely. Um overall, I love both these movies, you know. I can watch any I can watch both of them over and over and over again and um since that time i uh, see here uh, world series they've they've gone on to win the series twice haven't they uh-huh okay uh, let's see here uh let's see winners here we go um since 2004 let's see they won it in 04 uh they won it in 07 oh the 07 one that was an amazing game. Um, and then they won it last year in 2013. It was kind of sad because... <laughs> Actually, it was, it was kind of ironic that um, nearly uh, nine, yeah, nine years between 04 and 13. In 13, they faced the Cardinals again, and they beat them four to two instead of four to zero. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> um, but the sad thing right now, because the baseball, um, the, uh, the the current World Series is going on as we're recording this. That was the whole point of doing these, and uh, uh, you know, right now it's going to be the Giants, San Francisco Giants, and Kansas City Royals. Whoever thought the fucking Royals would ever get into the and, and you know why? That's why I'm going to root for the Royals. I know I'm probably going to take shit for it. I got a buddy of mine who's in Vegas right now. I gave him 20 bucks and said, put this down on the Royals. Let's see what happens. Let's uh-huh. hope. If if he, if he wins money for me, I'll be happy. <laughs> you know, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. The, um, the Red Sox are the sixth overall team to have the most... Uh, World Series appearances with twelve. Uh, after before, like going up uh, is Oakland with fourteen, Dodgers with eighteen, Cardinals with nineteen, San Francisco with twenty, and those that 
fucking evil empire with 40. Um, Jesus. Uh, and Which is strange, though, because out of the 40 games that the Yankees have appeared in the World Series, they've lost 13 of them. They've only won 27 championships. I mean, I'm not trying to make light of that, folks, but I am a Red Sox fan, damn it. So yeah. uh, it's one of those things where they've lost 13 times. <laughs> um, well, I just I, I'm I am not a Yankees fan. And, and my thing with it is just it was partially because of when Steinbrenner was alive. He would just, yeah. oh, well, you know, screw salary caps. I'm just going to buy whatever players I want. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's basically how he got in, how he got him all in. Yeah. And. Uh-huh. I okay. hate that shit. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> you know what the two teams are? The entire league have never had an appearance or a win. I'm afraid to ask. The Washington Nationals, which is kind of obvious. Yeah. And the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> really? Damn, I would have thought that the Mariners had gotten in there at some point. It says here, zero appearances, zero wins, zero losses. Um... The lowest one on the totem pole past the zeros is Tampa Bay and then Milwaukee and Los Angeles, Angels of Anaheim, um, which I... Now, that can't be right because the Angels won it one year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the lowest is because they won it against the the Giants in 2001, or 2002, I should say. Yeah, but I mean, Um, you've got... Because you've got the Padres that have got to be in there. They've, They've appeared twice and lost both times, got swept both times. Yep, yep. Um, New York Mets have appeared four times, lost two, one, two. Uh, the Cubs have appeared ten times, but they're two and eight for wins and losses. You know, it, outside of Boston being in the World Series, that's the one team at this point I would love to see win is the Cubs. Yeah. Because we all have to, especially if they could, if the Cubs could get a damn good team for next year. I, Back to the future yeah. would be right. Oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, win World Series? That, what? Yeah, I should have put some money on the Cubbies. But, yeah, I mean, uh, getting back, summer catch fever pitch. Um, there are two very different Boston-based, um, Massachusetts-based baseball movies, but they're so well done. I mean, really... Uh, Summer Catch is more so about the Cape Cod League and that that kind of tradition, and Fever Pitch obviously is about the Red Sox and, and the and the Red Sox tradition. Uh, I love them both; um, they're great films for me. Uh, I, I, like I said, outside of the the outside of being convenient for the plot to get rid of Van Lemer and Robin with the clubhouse fire, uh, that's the only complaint I have about that movie. Um, and the rest of it's great. And Fever Pitch is just just amazing. Yeah, I mean, I like both of them. Like I said, they're both great movies. They're both great baseball films. I didn't dislike Summer Catch, but if I had to compare the two, I would put Fever Pitch head and shoulders above Summer Catch. And that's only mm-hmm. because just comparing just those two movies, I liked Fever Pitch a lot better. My wife sat there and watched all of Fever Pitch and was hooked for Fever Pitch. Summer <laughs> Catch, she was like... Eh, she was up and down and, you know, I'm going to go make popcorn and I'm going to go do this and go do that, you know, through summer catch. So, you know, this is my wife's rating, me watching my wife and rating the movie based upon her. If she's not interested, okay, it's probably not, you know, it's not a, it's not a, 
good date movie, I would say. <laughs> no. Especially since considering that they're linking sex and baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fever Pitch, on the other hand, great movie. You know, definitely good messages in there. You know, my only bitch is that, Jesus, I'm turning into Ben, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I made that allegory and my wife said, yeah, you know what? Don't. She goes, <laughs> I, she goes, I'll let you go to Comic-Con next year if you can get tickets. <laughs> so we'll see. I swear to God, I feel like a few, you know, season ticket holder for that thing now. Uh. So anyway, we're going to go ahead and close this up here. Uh, we're going to have some stuff here at the very end to, to kick off for all of our baseball stuff here. Uh, I do want to thank everybody for listening to Talking About My Generation. Uh, you can go ahead and listen to us over. On, uh, you can find us on mygenerationpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook at Talking About My Generation. Uh, you can email us at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Stitcher if you want to listen to us there as well. Uh, Mike, I know you've got some things coming up here for GCRN. We've got uh, a whole bunch of stuff going on. Uh, remote control is going strong. The pull bag is going strong. All the flagship shows are going well. We just finished uh, Dread uh, for a movie we can review, um, the 2012 version. Uh, and just head on over to geekcastradio.com and check out all the content. I uh, will have a new interview with the co-founders of Lull and Records coming up uh, here soon on the site, so that's that. Um, but yeah, just head on over to geekcastradio.com and check out all of our stuff. We've got five and a half years worth. All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and sign off here, and we will be back next week. We are going to do just one Halloween movie this year. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say a Halloween movie because it really isn't a themed Halloween movie, but we're going to be pulling out the stops and going back with Michael J. Fox. No, not back to the future. We're going to be going <laughs> back to when he grew hair. Oh, my God. Can you imagine if there was a wolf back to the future? Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I could just see that he goes back in time and sees Styles all over again. <laughs> yep. So yes, we will be talking about uh, Michael J. Fox in Teen Wolf. The Mission Valley got its dream. They got a big league baseball team when Gomez led them in '69. Colbert and Jones did well, but the Padres couldn't gel. Till Williams took the reins and got the team in line. I'm talking baseball. Wynn and Wiggins on the loose. Padre baseball. Trevecki and the Goose. McReynolds, Tempe, Lawler, and TK. Garvey, Nettles, Wits, and Shaw will save the day. I'm talking baseball. The Padres all the Bobby Flan with key pinch hits. Nowhere is in Steve Garvey's mitt. Martinez gunned down Pete Rose at the plate. As a starter or from the pen, Trevecki did it time and again. By the All-Star game, the prospects here were looking great. I'm talking baseball. Win and Wiggins on the loose. Padre baseball. Trevecki and the goose. There's McReynolds, Tempe, Lawler, and TK. Garvey, Nettles, Whitson, Shaw will save the day. Talking baseball.
Padres all the way. 